I really wish I could be one of those girls that loves doing cardio. That's like every morning I need to get up and I need to run 10 miles. But I genuinely prefer rotting in bed. Listening to audiobooks probably is the only way that I get any steps in. A story that just makes any type of repetitive activity better is my favorite kind of story. And my absolute favorite go-to platform to use is Audible. I love Audible because of their unparalleled selection. They've got thousands of titles to choose from. They have audiobooks across every genre from thrillers to romance novels to self-help books but they also have podcasts guided wellness programs theatrical performances comedy originals i'm a thriller girly so i'm currently listening to a flicker in the dark by stacy willingham and the story follows a psychologist named chloe she moved to baton rouge to get away from the family's dark history chloe's dad is in prison for the kidnapping and murder of six young girls who went missing when chloe was a kid so there's a lot to unpack already chloe is the reason her dad got arrested she found this charm belonging to one of the victims in her dad's closet. But there are some things that just don't add up about the investigation. And just when Chloe feels like she's finally moving on from the past, a series of copycat murders start happening in Baton Rouge, forcing Chloe to dig up the past. The story is so fast-paced. I love it. And there are so many red herrings. Anyone can be a suspect, including Chloe's own husband, her brother. I've been listening to portions of this audiobook for about 30 minutes every single morning while I go out for a little light, I want to say jog, but right now it's more of a walk. And listening to audiobooks always sets me up to be more productive and creative throughout the day. So if you're looking for a way to spice up your cardio sessions or just be more inspired, sometimes I just play it and I rot in bed anyway. I just lay there and I listen to it and it's so good. I highly recommend using Audible. Audible members can keep one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. New members can try Audible now for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash baking or text baking to 500-500. That's audible.com slash baking or text baking to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. If I offered you two different pairs of jeans and I told you that you can only wear one of them, you could probably decide in two seconds. But what if I offered you a thousand pairs of jeans and they're all slightly different and I said you can only wear one of these for the next 12 months straight. This will be your go-to pant of choice. What are you going to do? How do you even start to choose? That's exactly what I felt like when I was combing through thousands of listings whenever we were moving to a new apartment. I would spend hours a day stressing about, is this apartment in a good neighborhood? Is it going to accommodate my dogs? Does it fit my budget? I didn't know any of these. And the worst part is most of the listings didn't even tick all of my boxes. That is why Apartments.com is your best place to look for your new home. Apartments.com lets you filter your search based on whether you have pets, if you want a balcony, built-in AC, whatever it is that you're looking for. The website remembers your search so that you don't have to keep filtering every time you come back. And Apartments.com has more rental listings than anywhere else, meaning no matter how specific your needs are, they got you. And your instant alerts mean that you can spend less time online looking for the perfect place and more time doing you. So if you're looking for a new place to call home, head over to apartments.com apartments.com the place to find a place bada bing bada bam welcome to this week's bacon a mystery baking a murder episode which by the way speaking of bada bing bada bam or bada bing bada boom guys my fiance has designed my next merch drop literally himself i saw him draw this out we sent it to fanjoy and had them recreate it it took like three tries because he was like no 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 no. i want it exactly the way i did it because it's a freaking masterpiece that's gonna be dropping soon <laughs> keep an eye out for that but welcome to part two 
of the Six of Crows. Oh, okay, this is gonna be the final part of the book by Lee Bardugo, and this is the first of the duology and part of this bigger Grishaverse world where I think there's like six, seven books total and a whole Netflix show based on the book and the book Shadow and Bone. I'm gonna leave a link to all of Lee Bardugo's works in the description. With that being said, it's time for the recap. So in part one, we've met our cast of characters. It's basically a group of misfits led by the hot Kaz Brecker. Kaz Brecker is a thief, a con man, a killer, a gang member who always wears leather gloves and whacks people with this scary looking crow cane, but in a fantasy trope fashion. And I say this with so much love because I eat this shit up. I eat these tropes up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Kaz Brecker is just a broken man that needs a woman to come in and fix him, okay? And then we have Inej, his love interest. It's, this is Endgame, okay? And I like that her character isn't just around to be support for Kaz, which she is, don't get me wrong, but that's not her whole identity. She's a whole individual before she's Kaz's love interest, and I really appreciate that. She was freed from the brothel called the Menagerie by Kaz, and now she feels indebted to him. I mean, she is monetarily, technically, but after working with him for a few years, she genuinely feels indebted to him. She worries about him. They have this relationship where they don't explicitly ever state that they're worried for each other, but they're always looking out for each other. There's always this unspoken tension there. And I'm like, just do it already. It's them and they're Steve. Yeah, they have a Steve. You know mm -hmm. what I'm talking about? It's yeah. you and me and you and me and your best friend, Steve. Jesper is Steve. He's a sharpshooter, Kaz's right-hand man. He's the comedic effect in all the, the books. And it's pretty clear as it progresses. We'll probably see some of the demons that he's fighting, but yeah, there's Jesper. Then we have Nina, the Grisha. She's a heart render, meaning that she can control and manipulate people's bodies. She's also part of the gang, the drugs that the others are involved in, and they've grown up to be a pretty powerful gang in Ketterdam, which is the country in the Grisha for... Go watch part one. Go watch, I'm not even gonna go watch part one, okay? <laughs> then there's Mateus. This is Nina's love interest, but they're like the epitome, the trope of star-crossed lovers. He's a Fjordan, which in the country of the Grishaverse, this whole country is just like a hateful country. That's like what they're built on. They think it's cute and quirky that their whole identity is hating another country. That sounds like a lot of countries in today's day and era, but you get what I mean. They even have a specialized army that is only the best of the best soldiers get into. It's called the Druskelly. They're witch hunters. They like to go out and boom, boom, kill Grisha. But of course, Mateus, the hot, blonde, Thor-looking soldier, Druskelly, falls in love with Grisha Nina. But this relationship is very much love-hate because the tension is clearly there and it's thick but Nina did also imprison him in Ketterdam at the worst prison for like two years called Hellgate so I don't know I feel like they're in a situation ship and then finally we have Wyland Van Eck this is Nepo baby turned a street fighter he's not really a fighter he's just learning to um create bombs just likes blowing things up He's not the best, but he's been accepted into the group of friends because his dad, Vanek, is this rich merchant. And um, he wants to kidnap a man from Fiorda's impenetrable ice court. Wylan is the insurance for this group to make sure that they get paid at the end of their kidnapping quest, their die suicide mission. Mateus only agreed to this because Kaz was able to get the Council of Merchants to sign off on his pardon. So long as he gets them to buyer, the man that they're kidnapping, Nina. She's only agreeing to this because these are her friends, but also she feels like she owes it to Mateus to get him that pardon. The others, they just want money. It's like four million cruise, four million dollars, right, per person. Anyway, 
Go watch part one. So we left off with them breaking into the Fjordan ice court as prisoners. They dressed up as prisoners so that they could get in during the spring equinox celebrations. And now they're stuck in the most unescapable prison. And the guards confiscated Kaz's lock picking screws that were hidden inside of his mouth. They yanked it out of his mouth. So how the hell are they going to get out now? Are they just going to tell the guards? It was a mistake. We're actually not prisoners because we were just on our way to commit a crime. We didn't actually commit it yet. Like, we didn't actually kidnap anybody yet, so can you just let us out? That's not gonna happen, okay? So the guard slams the door shut, throws a bucket into the cramped prison cell, and that's where they're gonna pee and poo, and whatever nature tells them to do, all of it would be beautifully deposited, clink clunk, into the bucket. So that's sanitary. Out of all the guys in the men's prison unit, Casbrecker, Jesper, Mateus, and Wylan. Wylan was the most miserable. This is Nepo, baby. Of course he's miserable. Mainly he's panicked. The first 10 minutes of being there, he's pacing around and he's throwing his arms up at Jesper. And what? What's a lockpick without his freaking picks? What are we gonna do? Jesper stands up, walks over to the water bucket, gets a big cup of water and takes a sip, but he ends up pouring most of it on his shirt on purpose. Is that clean water or? Yeah. No, oh. it's pee. No, I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> clean water. And then uh, he does the same thing to Wyland. He gets a big cup of fresh water, he puts it on Wyland's lips, lets him take a sip, but then pours the rest on his shirt. Wyland's like, what the hell, man? What are you doing? Before Wyland could protest, Jesper splashes his shirt with, splashes everybody's shirt with water, so all of his little friends. And Wyland's like, excuse me, are you going to explain why you just shh? Wyland watches as Jesper squats down lifts up his pant leg. There's a thin line of stitches that Nina had placed there. He had to pop each stitch out before he could pull out a tiny little pellet. It was covered in blood, but at least it got through the guards. What the hell is that? Wait, where did he pull it out from? From his skin. She literally sliced and put a little pellet and then sewed it up. So he had to take off the stitches to get it. Wow. Yeah, Wyland's like, what the hell is that, man? And Jesper says, pull your shirt up over your mouth. What? Do what I say. You're cuter when you're smart. Wyland watches as Jesper walks over to the old poop bucket. The waste bucket. It's hidden under the bench. He pulls it out and throws the pellet in. And he says loudly, a storm's a-brewin'. And on the other side of the cell, he winks and he sees Kaz and Mateus follow him and put their shirts over their faces. And it was, um... It was a show, literally. So the pellet made contact with the poop bucket and immediately smoke clouds the prison cell and a sickly smell emanates. It smelled honestly kind of like artificial roses. Once the smell dispersed, the guys lowered their collars and saw all the prisoners knocked out dead asleep. Okay, they're not dead, don't worry. But the next time the guards come around to do head count, they would be way too groggy to even remember much. The pellet was this enzyme-based casing filled with chloro powder. When it comes in contact with ammonia from the waste, it's gonna knock people out. Wyland was impressed, okay? Wyland's the type of kid that is very curious about things. Like, that's his thing. He wants to. Oh my god, are you Wyland? <laughs> so annoying. He wants to know why everything works the way it works, the mechanisms behind everything. And I'm like, shh, boomer, it's just TikTok, okay? You didn't need to know. I have cream cheese here. I don't know what I'm doing with this. So Wyland is very impressed, and he's still brooding over the fact that they're stuck as prisoners. And he's like, great, you knocked everyone out, but what good does that do us when we're still stuck in here with them? Jesper ignores him, walks over to Kaz, and starts stretching his neck side to side. He's rolling out his shoulders, 
From the get-go, his role in this entire mission was very clear. This was the most important part that he could offer to the team. He had to make sure that he did it right. Who, Jasper? Yes. He grabbed onto the iron bars and closed his eyes. His nostrils flared. He breathes in, breathes out. Nothing happens. Wyland's watching. What is he doing? Cass says, oh, he's performing an ancient ritual for blessings. Really? No, Wyland. No, he's not. <laughs> it was unclear if Jesper was going to break the iron bars or if he was just going to fart. He just looked really red in the face. Neither were looking that promising. But Jesper let go with a grunt. He opened his palms and click, and it clicked. And Wyland, you're, you're a fabricator. Just barely. But it's between us. You say one word to anyone in Ketterdam and I'll hunt you down. Jasper is yes, a magician? Agrisha. Agrisha? And Wyland is like, but why would you keep it a secret that you're a Grisha? Because I like to walk the streets of free man. The idea of being snatched up by a Grisha slaver doesn't seem like a great time. Or maybe, just maybe, I don't want to be hunted by witch hunters like our good buddy over here, Matthias. Well, for the longest time, he's been hiding his superpower. Yes, so there, for the Grisha, there's actually this training place called the Little Palace where they train mm -hmm. Grisha, and that's where Nina went. And that's where, like, Alina Starkov is going to later go, but from Shadow and Bone. But with this one, he never went to the Little Academy. So although he's a fabricator, he's not that good. Mm -hmm. He's not as good as most fabricators would be at his age mm -hmm. because he didn't go to the Academy. So he just knows a few tricks. Yes, but it's very hard and it's very time-consuming for him because he wasn't trained. And his power is to pull metal or pull something out of materials. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So wow. Kaz, I know, Kaz is getting impatient though. He says, sorry to break up the talks, but Jesper, do it again and hurry it up this time. So while Jesper is focusing, Wylan asks Kaz a very good question. If the plan all along was for Jesper to do this and get you some lock picks, why did you even smuggle in those pins in your mouth? You have to make the mark feel like they won. Do you think the guards were studying Mateus' face to see if they remember him from somewhere? No. They were too busy congratulating themselves on catching me. They thought they had neutralized a threat. They thought that they had a good days at work. They were so busy patting themselves on the back to realize what was really going to happen. Cass swiftly grabs the second pen and starts working on the lock. Everyone know your positions? Wylan, you come with me. We have to go get Nina and Inej out. Jasper and Matthias, go and find as much rope as possible. We'll touch base in the basement. Wait, if he's a fabricator, why can't he just like maneuver the lock? I think fabricators are like bakers. So you get a pie and you can pull out the eggs. Mm -hmm. You can pull out the sugar, but the lock, you can't really make it unlock. I guess it would be so tedious to like pull okay. out everything until it disintegrates. Got it. Okay. Yeah, wow. but maybe a skilled fabricator could. So anyway, the four guys, they split up and they go and get what they need till most of them were huddled in the basement room. So they go and they do their thing and everyone is coming to the basement to meet. Everything is going according to plan. Maybe they even share a few little excited smiles here and there. That is, until they swung open the incinerator door. Because remember, the plan is for Inej to climb, free climb, six floors to get to the chimney and onto the roof. From there, she's going to throw down rope for the others to climb up. That's how they escape this prison. When they swing open that door, it feels like Satan's G-spot. The heat radiating out of the incinerator instantly makes all of them get that prickly, annoying sweat on the back of their necks. Mateus, you said they ran the incinerator in the mornings. They did. Or at least they used to. Jesper looked down at the bright red coals just crackling at the bottom of the incinerator. He threw a piece of shirt from the laundry bin in the basement down. It didn't even reach the bottom of the coals before it burst into flames and incinerated. Well, 
demos out. There's no way Wyland's bringing his explosives in the incinerator. And Ash, do you think you can still do it? Get us to the top? And where are Kaz and Nina? Does Kaz have a backup plan? Inej told the group that Kaz and Nina went to search the upper level, the high security cells for Bayur. Even though it was unlikely he was being kept there, Mateus seemed pissed off. Because side note, if you remember, Nina and Mateus want to kill Bayur, and their hope is that they too would find Bayur without the rest of the group and kill him first. Then they would act all surprised. They'd be like, the Fjordans killed him, okay? That was the plan. Mateus was promised his pardon regardless of if Bayur was alive or dead. Wylan was busy in one of the giant laundry bins, and he says, Inej! I found your clothes. Dramatically, he pulls out each of her little leather slippers, the one that Grisha had made to perfect onto her feet, and she smiled. Finally, a good sign. She was gonna climb the damn incinerator even if it killed her. And it almost did, it almost freaking killed her. Meanwhile, Kaz and Nina are going through the upper levels of the prison to make sure that Bayer isn't there. And they had to avoid all the guards. It was a very dangerous mission, but it would be moot point to keep going into the inner layers of White Island if they didn't know that Bayer wasn't in this prison. Like, they had to. So the two were forced to split up and search opposite ends of the top floor to make things go by faster. Nina walked past each small little opening, and she would peer into the cells and just, nope. No buyer, no buyer, no buyer. Then she turned a sharp corner, expecting another row of the same uniform cells. And she wasn't wrong, there were uniform cells just side by side, but these were different. The walls, the floor, the ceiling, they were all stark white. It hurt to even open her eyes in there. She felt like she was being blinded. She touched the glass, fabricator glass. It's the hardest substance on earth. The only thing that can drill through fabricator glass is diamonds. It's much stronger than human-made glass. Which, did you guys know glass is made out of sand? Crazy. I learned that like a month ago. My life has never been the same. <laughs> yes? Nothing. You knew that? You knew that all along? And you didn't tell me? What kind of partner are you? No Fjordan could make surfaces so perfect. This was the work of Grisha. The Grisha that they slaughtered. Which means Grisha slaves were most likely made, making these cells. She took one step, then another, and another, and she couldn't help herself. Something about the cells intrigued her. She peered inside, and unlike the other high security cells, they were completely empty. There was no furniture on the inside, not even a waste bucket. The only thing at the center of each cell was a drain. Each one was surrounded by reddish brown stains. It wasn't until maybe the fifth cell that she was certain the drains were for Grisha blood. Grisha's had been held prisoner in these cells and tortured. The rooms were devoid of metal so fabricators could not get out. There was no plumbing so tide makers couldn't control any sort of water. The glass that she was peering through was most likely mirrored on the other side so heart renders like herself couldn't locate a target. These cells were designed to hold and torture people like her. She starts hyperventilating. She feels like she can't catch her breath. She just wants to go home. Not even to Ketterdam. She wants to go back to Ravka and join the rest of the Grisha. She wants to get the hell out of here. She runs down the hallway louder than she knew was smart to do, okay? She's running loud click clacking down the hallway, but she just needed to get out now. When she gets to the stairs, that was her meeting point with Kaz, and he was nowhere to be seen. So she starts panicking. She stands with her back up against the wall, catching her breath before turning and running down the hallway again. And she's thinking, what if Kaz had been caught? What if he needs my help? Or, or maybe, what if he found Bayer? Nina sprints down the hallway where she runs into two guards, and she saw the confused look on their faces, and then it turns to anger, and they start reaching for their guns while screaming, Stop! She puts both of her palms up, disarms them, lowering their pulses until they knock down unconscious. Everything would have been fine 
but as one was knocked unconscious, he had his rifle in his hand and he fired off two shots. The boom noise echoed off the prison walls. They had made, the next sound was an ear-piercing screech. The security alarm was going off in the world's most inescapable tough prison. Everyone looked up at the ceiling as if they could locate where the alarms were sounding off from. Inej didn't have that luxury. She could barely keep her eyes open. She was in the middle of this incinerator, her hands and feet gripping the walls. They're hot. She had ropes wrapped around her. They felt like a million pounds right now. Her eyes stung from the sweat that was just dripping down her face. Inej was wearing Kaz's gloves that they had fished out of the laundry bins, and she felt wrong about wearing Kaz's gloves. It felt illegal. But Kaz would have told her, do anything, do whatever it takes to get the job done. And that's what she was doing. The gloves were big on her, so the leather was slipping around her fingers. She was sweating profusely, but she was thankful because without the gloves, the skin on her fingertips would have melted right off. She tried to tell herself, the heat is all just an inconvenience. It's all in her head. She focused on a system, hand, foot, foot, hand, hand, foot, mouth disease. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, she had to climb her way to the top and drop the rope down or else everybody else would be trapped in the prison forever. They, all of their lives were in her hands. Her hands and feet, they were blistering from the heat of the incinerator walls. I mean, she couldn't even breathe. Every breath that she took was a hot gush of smoke straight to her lungs. She wanted to cough. Halfway through, she panicked when her foot slipped. She was dangling purely from her fingertips that were gripping the stone edge. She tries to regain her balance, but her feet slip again and she's thinking, what the hell is going on? She looks down at her feet. The rubber shoes that were made to fit her, her precious shoes, they had melted and were now melting with the blistering flesh of her feet. They were slipping and sliding with the skin of her feet. She gasped. Like, these are her beautiful shoes and they were ruined. That's what she's worrying about? No, I mean, it's just her whole life that she's worried about. Like, why is she even in here in the first place? Mm -hmm. Like, sure, you could say Inej did this for money, but that's only partly true. She wanted to pay off her debt to the dregs. She did, and she knew that eventually she would one day. But she didn't take this mission because of that. She came because she wanted to protect Kaz. And in that hot incinerator, she freaking hated herself. She was having one of those moments of like, a men okay they're not even worth it what am i doing right now making strawberry cheesecake cookies <laughs> they're for me so she's having those moments she's like i hate myself this guy isn't even worth it i'm literally gonna die in this incinerator he's not even here i don't even know where he is she remembered the day that kaz freed her she was called into madame helene's office in the menagerie She's a slaver, okay? She prepared herself for a beating because you really only ever get called into Madame Helene's office if you're gonna get beat and tortured. That's what happened to her the last time she was called in. To be fair, Inej did try to run away, but she tried to run away because she was basically human trafficked. Inej tried to run away. Helene beat her. She could not work for a month. Helene made her sign a contract knowingly and admitting that she had lost wages for a month and now she owed Helene even more money. Not that it mattered because Helene forced every single girl in there to sign a contract and she would come up with all these whatever unnecessary bills to make sure that you would never pay off your debt to her and she would own you for the rest of your life. You would die at the menagerie. So that night she summoned into Madame Helene's office and she slowly opens the door. Inej saw Kaz Brecker standing there. Oh shit. 
Okay, so a few nights ago, Dirty Hands. Yes, Inej had heard of Kaz Barker. Everybody in Ketterdam knew him. Kaz had come into the menagerie, and Inej knew that Kaz paid Helene for information. She thought that she knew more information than Helene. She thought that she could be of more use to Kaz. She approached him about it. All she wanted was for him to send a letter to her family. That's it, in exchange for her information. He probably ratted her out to Helene. That she spoke out of turn, that she was offering him services without permission. So she stood there silently before Helene spoke. Well, little lynx, seems like you're no longer my problem to take care of. Per Haskell seems to be into silly girls. He just bought you for quite a pretty penny. I'm moving to another house. The dregs don't own a pleasure house, if that's what you're wondering. It seems like Haskell wants you for himself. Inej momentarily thought about who Per Haskell was, but then she reminded herself she already knew who Per Haskell was. He was the type of man that buys women, and that's all she needed to know. Don't worry, Inej. At least he's old. Maybe he'll plop dead. But of course, he could always share you with his little errand boy, Dirty Hands. Kaz turned to Helene. Are we done? Dirty Hands. A good word for you. She runs faster than you would think. I doubt she'll last a month in the barrel, but maybe Per Haskell likes when they fight. Kaz thought about Helene's words for a moment before walking to the other side of the room and escorting Inej out. Inej was confused. Kaz tried to fill her in. Per Haskell runs the drags. I know. Your gang? Haskell's my boss and now he's yours too, but only if you like. Do I have a choice? Sure. I can always go back into the office and withdraw my offer for you. You can stay with that wicked Helene. Shh. She has listeners. Let her listen. I asked Per Haskell to pay off your indenture. Which was quite the cost, but I convinced him. Aren't you curious as to why? I don't know, does he like sully girls or do you like sully girls? The other night I came into the menagerie. You wanted to offer me information. Perhaps in return you would ask me to mail a letter to your parents? Yes. Last night when you approached me, I didn't know you were near me until you started speaking. You had bells attached to your ankles, but I didn't hear you sneak up on me. You were wearing purple silks and there were decorative paint dots all over you. You were a walking sign, but I didn't see you. I see everything, and I didn't see you. You were trained in something, dancing? I was trained in acrobats, uh, my family, we all were. High wires, swings, juggling, tumbling, all of it. Did you work with a net? When I was younger, but not really. Good, there's no nets in the real world. Look, I need a spider. I need a spider to climb the walls around here and listen to everyone. I need an invisible person who can become a ghost to see things that people do when they're alone or when they think they are. I need you, or a spider, to listen to those hushed conversations. Do you think you can be my spider? What a weird flirt. Yeah, what if? <laughs> can you be my see, this spider? Like, this works in um, books, but imagine someone actually has this cadence and talks like this in real life. I'd be like, what is going on? And she's like, sure, but why me? Because you'll get me information from rich men and women. You're going to learn their lives, and I'm going to use that information to take away all their money. So that's why you bought me? I didn't buy you. Haskell paid off your indenture, meaning you just owe him a lot of money. But let me make this clear. If you skip out on your contract with Per Haskell, if you choose to sign with the drugs, if you run, Haskell will send people after you, and I'm not going to stop him. These people are going to make Helene look like a sweet little cookie-baking grandma. I've put my neck on the line for this arrangement, so make sure it is what you want. Think about it. Oh, and Inej? Yes? Don't ever sneak up on me again. Inej joined the drugs and tried to sneak up on Kaz a million times afterwards, but every time she was unsuccessful. It's like once he knew how to spot her, he could spot her in a crowd of a million people. But where was he now while she's risking her life climbing up in this scorching hot incinerator? She wants to give up. There's no safety net. Her parents aren't there to catch her. 
She tries to focus on what they had taught her, to get back up. But her hands and feet, they're bleeding, her muscles are shaking, she could barely keep her eyes open from the sweat. To just let go, that felt like it would give her at least a moment's peace from her muscles that are screaming at her. She had taken a deal that was way too big for her and she knew it. The best thing to do in this moment is to accept defeat. But then she felt this rhythm deep inside her telling her to climb. Like one, two, one, two. But it wasn't actually inside of her. She looked up. It's raining. Hmm. Little rain droplets. And the rain starts coming in through the chimney and cooling her down and wiping the stinging sweat off of her eyes. And she looks up just feeling the rain. And that is what she needs to keep going, to keep climbing. And when that wasn't enough, she thought about that $4 million cruise to tear down every pleasure house in Ketterdam. That was what she was doing this for. She finally felt like she had purpose. And that led her to the top. That led her to the roof where her future lied. She got up, secured the rope, and lowered it for everyone to climb up. Everyone grabbed and diligently climbed their way to the top. The last person was Jesper. He knew that at any moment the basement could be searched, especially with the alarms going off not too long ago. Surely one of the guards are going to be like, wait a minute, maybe I should check the freaking basement. All it would take is one guard and he would be dead. He knew it. Nina had already made it back, but he needed to wait for Kaz. Did Kaz come back? Not yet. Oh. Nina had made it back after setting off the alarm, but Kaz had not come back. Kaz was looking for Bayer with Nina upstairs, but he was also looking for um, another face. Part of Kaz felt unhinged up there. Like he knew that this is the last thing the mission needed, but he couldn't stop. This is not how things are supposed to end. The whole reason he was alive was to bring down Pekka Rollins, and now Pekka Rollins is probably rotting in one of these cells. The guy who killed his brother, remember? What, he's here? Yes, because remember he sent his um, gang yeah. members and they were all hanging? Yeah. Pekka Rollins led him, so led he... the whole gang himself. Oh. And if that mother dies in this prison, Kaz's life would have been for nothing. He runs down the hallway until he spots him, the man who killed his brother, Pekka Rollins, laying in one of the cells. Now we get a flashback to why Kaz believes Pekka Rollins killed his brother because technically the firepox outbreak killed his brother, but mm -hmm. it all makes sense. Kaz survived the firepox outbreak. He's looking for anyone that would hire him. Mainly he's scrubbing toilets for work. He always slept under alleyways, under stairs, anywhere he could get a moment to just doze off, he took it. For food, he would find young gang members in the barrel that didn't know a clever crime if it hit him in the face. He would pounce on them and steal their food. That's how he got by. Till one day he was walking past a gin shop and inside the store was Jacob Hertzun, the guy that had stolen all their money, the one that had scammed them. He tried to get inside to, I don't know, God knows what to this guy, but he's just a little kid at this point. A man stops him at the front and says, sorry kid, shop's closed. It's clearly open, there's people shopping inside. I just need to have a word with Jacob Hertzun, I'll be quick. Who? Kaz pointed aggressively at that window, that man right there. Are you new to the barrel, kid? If you want to survive longer than today, you might want to learn that man's name. That ain't no hurt soon. That's Pekka Rollins. Wait, what? Pekka Rollins was the man who scammed his brother. What? The one that killed Jordy. And oh Kaz knew that Pekka Rollins was in here somewhere. When he finally spotted him, he picked the lock and walked into his cell, closing the door behind him. Pekka was asleep and jolted awake to the door being slammed closed. Kaz sighed. He knew he was letting his friends down, he was letting Inej down, but he had to do this. When he finally ran back to the, down to the basement, he was covered in blood, and Jesper looked at him. He was anxiously waiting. Where the hell have you been? Kaz motioned for Jesper to start climbing. Hurry, go. 
Jesper looked down while hanging from the rope and he saw Cass closing the incinerator door and climbing up behind him. They climbed in silence till they were pulled up by the rest of the gang and they saw the sky again and it was just a relief for everyone. Now the next step is to climb from the prison roof to the embassy roof and it's all kind of connected in this like ring, right? So mm -hmm. technically they're just scaling the roof and on the map of the ice court, the embassy isn't any further into the center. It's all the same layer, just mm -hmm. a different part of the layer. But at least if you're climbing down the side of the embassy building, there's going to be less guards. People are going to be watching the prison walls nonstop. So if you're mm -hmm. traversing down the prison building, people are going to catch you. That's their hope. They get to the embassy and then use that to climb down. Nina and Inej had already made it there and the guys just had to join them. Nina was on the roof trying to heal Inej's feet. The rubber soles had been embedded into her skin and to separate them was just so painful. Inej couldn't even walk right now. Jesper crawled over and started getting to work. Technically, he was better at this than Nina. Mm -hmm. As a fabricator, he could extract and draw away the rubber from the feet. Mm -hmm. Nina's jaw dropped. You're a fabricator? <laughs> and you didn't tell me? Well, you never asked. Just leave it alone, Nina. He worked on Inej in silence, and even though Inej was feeling better, everybody had grim expressions on. The alarm triggered, which means Ice Court is on yellow protocol. Mm. What does that even mean again? Mateus looked at them. They'll likely do a prisoner count and realize that there are six prisoners missing. The checkpoints will be on high alert. They're not going to let anyone through. I mean, we can still try, right? We just find a cute little room fitted with partygoers, hit them on the head, borrow their fancy clothes, and waltz in. Mateus looked, like, looked at Jasper like he's losing his mind. Past the embassy gate and two checkpoints that are on high alert now? I don't think so. The group looked down to see another checkpoint forming. Now it wasn't just two, three. Jesper was the first to talk. Well then, it was nice knowing you guys. I say we cut our losses, we can buy some dinner on the way home. You know what? Dinner's on me. Let's get out. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. They went back and forth on if they should go home before Nesh spoke up and said, I know a way. We can get into the celebrations as, as Madame Helene's little animals. Kaz knew what that meant and tried to reason with her. Inej, that you don't... Well, not all of us can get in, but Nina and I, we can enter as the menagerie. 
So Helene is bringing all of the escorts mm. uh, for all the party goers, mm -hmm. and they all come dressed as animals, like kind of in these costumes. Uh. And um, typically, they're not as checked thoroughly because a lot of their identifications are iffy anyway. Kaz didn't like the idea of Inej having to wear her silks again, but Inej argued. All the Fjordan guards will see are some Kalish mares and a little lynx. They see what they want to see. They don't even see real girls, just lovely little objects, little animals. It was risky, but it made sense. The only other problem was, okay, then what about the others? Are they just going to sit around on the roof and, I don't know, crack a beer open? Come on, these guys have to be more useful. Kaz hinted at pieces of a new plan that are coming together in his mind. Kaz and Mateus would find another way into the White Island. Meanwhile, Jesper and Wyland would work on disabling one of the gates. Wyland's like, to get it open? No, to keep it closed. You want me to break the mechanism for the gate? I, I mean, I don't think that would be too difficult, but the problem is, if the gate is connected to a security system, it would trigger an alarm. Tampering with the gate would trigger... Would it, Mateus, black protocol? Good. That's what we want. Jesper's like, no, 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 it's not. Isn't that the opposite of what we want? Didn't we say that w that's what we're trying to avoid at all costs? We'll have to use it to our advantage. If Black Protocol is triggered, security will be concentrating on White Island and the embassy. The glass bridge will come down, trapping a large amount of guards on there, along with guests. Which means... Which means they can't move a big force after us. But let's say we locate Bayer. After this, the place goes into lockdown. How the hell do we get out? If we're trapping all the guards and everyone in the ice court, wouldn't we be trapped alongside them? Cass smirked. He looked like he was scheming something. As always, he does not inform anyone on what he's going to do, but he tells Inej something. We need something shiny. Inej nodded, like she knew exactly what he was thinking. Inej sat there for a second, and she gathered her thoughts, and she did not feel a single ounce of fear anymore. All the doubts in the incinerator, they were gone. She felt ready. She felt born for this job. The money wasn't just to pay off the drugs. The money was her dream now. She earned it, and nothing was going to step in her way. She turned to Nina and held out her arm. Do it. Are you sure? It's gonna hurt, but I swear it's temporary. I'll remove it as soon as we board the boat in the harbor when we're done. It's fine. It's just war paint. Besides, it's my choice and it's my mark this time. Nina nodded and slowly waved her hand over Inej's arm. The menagerie branding peacock started to appear again. So Madame Helene tattoos every single girl. The ink wasn't nearly as dark as a regular tattoo, but it was all they could manage considering the time that they had. When Nina was done with Inez, she turned to her own arm and branded herself. Then they waited in silence for Madame Helene to arrive for their plan to kick into motion. Jesper spoke first. No mourners, no funerals. But I don't know if everyone even believed it, because they all broke off into their little groups to have like one last word with each other. Nina and Mateus, Kaz and Inez, Inez looked at him. I have something for you. She pulled out his gloves. How? I got them in the basement. I climbed with them, six stories, completely in the dark. Exactly. And she watched as he slipped them back into his slender hands. When we get back home, Kaz, I'm leaving Ketterdam. Kaz looked away. You were always too good for the barrel anyway. And he looked back at her and says, Inej, I want you to know, if we don't make it out, I want you to know Say it! What's going on? Oh, he wants to say I love you? Yeah, but he doesn't say it! Oh. And so Inej reaches up and touches him on the cheek. This is their first skin-to-skin -skin contact since they've ever met. Oof. She thought that he would flinch, because remember, he hates skin-to-skin -skin contact. But she touched him, 
and he stayed still. I mean, she could see his whole body tense up, but he was still. He didn't swat her hand away, he didn't throw up. And she just said, if we die tonight, I'll die unafraid. Can you say the same? Meaning she's gotten everything off her chest, but he clearly has not. Mm. He doesn't respond, but Nina's voice rings behind them. They're here. They look down and they see Madame Helene and the girls enter the first checkpoint. Each girl was made to wear a long hooded red cape, all dressed in their stereotypical attire, and Nina looked disgusted. Jeez, how does Madame Helene, she knows how to make an entrance, how does she not fall to her knees at the weight of those diamonds around her neck? She loves her little jewels, the ones purchased through the sweat and blood of the girls like us. Ugh. Madame Helene and her girls would be separated into three groups. They would all be ushered into a room inside the outer ring building and strip searched by female guards. That's when the two would strike. Once a group of girls without Madame Helene was brought into a room, Nina and Naj lifted up the cover to an air duct and slipped through. So they're going from the roof straight to this room. It was a tight squeeze, but they managed. They hit the bottom like a sack of laundry. They waited. They saw the girls had to remove their capes and were being pat down by female guards. And once they were done, the guards left the girls in private to put their clothes back on. Inez and Nina waited for this moment to open up the grate, slide out, and Nina snuck up on the girls, whispered sorry, and put them all to sleep. She went over to the girl that she would be replacing and bled the girl's bright red hair color straight from her hair until she was just left with a mop of white waves. And Nina transferred the color to her own head. She didn't have time to change her eye color to a blue shade, so green will just have to do. She took white powder from the girl's purse and tried her best to pale herself. Meanwhile, Inej dragged the other girls to the cabinet and stuffed them in. And she started wearing the Sully girl's clothes. But instead of being lean like Inej, this Sully girl was softer. She felt bad. She put on the silks, put on the shoes. They hoped that neither of the guards would realize that four girls came in and only two were coming out. Inej was wearing the silks, and Nina, she was basically naked. She was wearing this like crazy scandalous dress that was basically covering her cleavage, and it was clinging super tight to her butt. It was a beautiful blue-green color, though, that contrasted with her fiery red hair now. They wait for the guards to open the door, and they prayed. They better not notice. They held their breath, and as they rushed past the guards, Nina put her hand up in a slight motion. And as they passed the guard, Inej saw the guard clutch her stomach. Nina whispered, pick up your cake. Inej picked up her cape right on time, and the guard projectile vomited. The whole crowd started shrieking and moving away from the guards, and Inej said, I'm not sure if that was necessary, Nina. You could have just given them a nosebleed. If I didn't know better, I would think that you'd like making Fjordan suffer. She did. She very much did. <laughs> it's just throwing up, no? Yeah, so they're ushered to their next and last checkpoint, and Nina went first. Her tactic is simple, okay? Almost foolproof. She was going to flirt with the male guards. The description says you have freckles. I do, but I covered it tonight with makeup. You're a bit taller than your documents. Heels. I like to look a man in the eyes. You have very pretty eyes. <laughs> You're a bit heavier than the paper describes. Nina shrugs, and as she shrugs, her cape expertly hangs off, okay? It starts slipping off of her. I like to eat when I'm in a mood, and I'm always in a mood. <laughs> and then she's like, okay, this girl's crazy. Maybe Grisha really are good at lying because what the hell is going on? This is, I want to gag. Scarred is eating out of Nina's hand. Move along. And uh, I, I may be at the party later. <laughs> Nina winked at him and touched his arm. I'll save you a dance. And Ej was up next. 
Unfortunately, it would literally kill her to flirt with him. So she handed her papers over and he nodded, let her go. But as she's walking away, she tripped on her boot, her heels because they were too big. Uh-huh. What's wrong with your shoes? The guard asked. Just a bit big. They stretch more than expected. Show me your arms. What? Why? Just do it. Inej exposed her arm where the peacock tattoo was, and the guard stared at it before motioning for another guard to come over. Nina stared at Inej, and she was panicked. She's silly for sure, but the menagerie tattoo doesn't look quite right. What do you think? Inej offered a reasonable explanation. I was burned as a kid. They squint at her, and they nodded. Anyone suspicious goes over there. <gasps> Go with them, and we'll take you back to the checkpoint to have your papers reviewed. B but then I'll miss the party. The guards ignored her. They grabbed her by the arms and dragged her to the side. Inej's heart was pounding in her chest. Nina looked terrified, but she quickly fixed her composure and they made eye contact and Inej gave her a nod. As in, go. Oh my God. Nina needed to go because it was up to Nina now. Meanwhile, the four guys were trying to find a way to cross the ice moat. The wafer-thin ice moat that you would fall into if you tried to walk across it, you're gonna die of hypothermia. Yeah, that one. There were no boats, no water skis to pass through, so what the hell was their plan? This was the part that Mateus had been hiding from them, but Kaz was smart enough, okay? So there is a method, because it's part of the Triskelli training. At the end of each Triskelli training, there's a ceremony where the soldiers that were in training to be a Triskelli, they have to walk across the ice moat, and they are chosen by their gods. They're gifted that night with the power to walk across their ice moat if they're chosen to be Triskelli. Kaz knows that there are no gods, okay? He's like, how'd you walk across the ice moat if you're Triskelli, so you better tell me. The truth is, there is a way for the commanders to weed out people they didn't want in for the team. That's how they did it. The commanders of the Triskelli were like, we don't like Kevin. Kevin uh -huh. has passed every single test, but we don't like Kevin, okay? We don't with Kevin. Uh -huh. So we're just not gonna tell him how to cross the ice moat. Uh -huh. But we like Mateus, so we're going to tell him how to cross the ice moat. So the night of the ceremony, the commanders pick the soldiers that they like, and mm -hmm. they tell him the way to cross the ice moat is you run your hands along the exterior of the wall, and you're going to find this wolf that's blended into the wall, but it's etched in there. You go straight. There's glass under the ice bridge. You look like you're walking on water, but it's glass. Your feet are still going to get wet because you're breaking the ice, and the water's going to pull in. Uh -huh. But there's glass. So there's a glass bridge? Yeah, just in one part. And it's a skinny little bridge, so you gotta be careful, but mm. there's a glass bridge. <laughs> this is so dumb. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, secret bridge. All you have to do is find the little wolf and then cross the bridge. Mateus runs his hand along until he finds the wolf. And their feet would still be submerged. And um, Kaz joked, all this to be a witch hunter? We need better initiation for the new drags. I feel sorry for you, Kaz. There's nothing sacred to you or your life. And then comes one of the most famous quotes of this book. And this shows you just how insane of a writer Lee Bardugo is. Okay, so Mateus asks Kaz while they're crossing the ice moat how he learned his little magic tricks. And Kaz responds, Some people see a magic trick and they say impossible. They clap their hands, turn over their money, and forget about it ten minutes later. Others ask how it worked. They go home. They get into bed, they toss and turn, wondering how it was done. It takes them a good night's sleep to forget all about it. And then they're the ones who stay awake, running through the trick again and again, looking for that crack in the illusion that's gonna explain how their eyes got duped. They're the kind that won't rest until they've mastered that little bit of mystery for themselves. I'm that kind. B bro, I'm the first kind. I'm the first kind. <laughs> Five minutes in, I'm like, 
Wait, wait, which one did I pick? I don't even think you got the one that I picked. Anyway, where'd you pull that quarter out of? That's cool. I gotta mix this, okay? Uh, we're gonna beat this with the mixer and we'll be right back. <laughs> we messed up. That's supposed to be cookie dough and it looks like sand. <laughs> anyway, they cross the ice bridge and the four guys, they split up. Mateus and Kaz hunt down two guards, ambush them, take their Druskelly uniforms. Meanwhile, Jesper and Wylan are making their way to the gate that they had to disable to trigger black protocol. Near the gate, they see an enormous banner. Grisha colors. Trophies of all the Grisha that Fierda has killed. Thousands of their robes. Jesper felt emotional. I mean, technically he's Grisha, these are his people. Jesper and Wyland, they ambush guards as well and they take their uniforms, finally just getting rid of those nasty prison clothes. They run into the weapon room that controlled the gates that they needed to disable, and there were just rows and rows of weapons, rifles, not a single speck of dust. It was well kept, neat, and honestly kind of scary that these are the people that you're up against. Jesper asked Wyland, what, scared of some weapons? No, it's just, I thought the gate would be controlled by ropes or cables. It's run by steel chains. If we're to make sure that the gate can't be opened, we're gonna have to cut through metal. Okay, well, I'll work on weakening the links, Wylan. Look for anything that we can use to cut through it. All Wylan could find were a pair of shears, like super scissors. If that's all you have, then that's what we'll have to make do with. For 30 minutes, all Jesper did was work on the gate. The steel chains, I mean, he was covered in tiny shavings of steel. He was trying to weaken it by pulling as much steel out of the, the chains as he could. He was getting frustrated. A proper fabricator would have made much more progress than him, but a trained fabricator on Perem could have pulled the steel and made steak knives in the blink of an eye. Jesper and Wyland worked hand in hand until they finally got the links to snap. They had done it. They had disabled the gate, which meant all hell was about to break loose. Meanwhile, Nina is taking one last look back at Inej before she forces herself to step into this huge party scene. She can't help but look around and feel emotional. Like every square inch of this place looks like it's been built off the backs of Grisha. The Fjordans like to act like, oh, this ice court sprung up out of nowhere. Our ancestors built it. No, you idiots, your Grisha slaves built it. Nina remembered Mateus telling her that at a party like this, there's gonna be guards in uniform, but there's also gonna be guards dressed up as partygoers. Nina couldn't help but wonder how many guards she's rubbing elbows with. She felt really naked. I mean, literally. She even had to let go of her cape because, um, yeah, she did. And she was just wearing the most low-cut dress known to mankind. She scans the ballroom and she sees, she sees how people are moving. She also sees Kaz and Mateus standing at attention in guards' uniforms on the steps. She couldn't even give them a nod. She had no idea what's going on. She's studying the crowd. A trick that she learned from being a second army in the Grisha is that crowds move in specific patterns. They all drift towards around people with power, people of status. So of course the Queen of Fierda and her attendants, they're surrounded, but a couple other people are too. One of them being a group of Druskelly. If anyone knew where Bayer was kept, it would be them. She grabbed a glass of champagne and she starts making her way towards them. But instead of talking to them, she makes light conversation with a few people around the Druskelly. And she starts inching closer and closer and closer and boom! One of the drunk Druskellys accidentally backs up, knocking her over. He didn't really even push her that hard, but she lurches forward, spilling all of her champagne. And instantly, several strong arms grab to help her back up. The man apologizes in Fjordan. I'm so sorry. Oh my god. Another guard yells at him. God, you nearly knocked her over her feet. She knows Fjordan, but she doesn't let them know that. 
She says in Kirch. I'm sorry, I don't speak Theoden. Oh, uh, they try to apologize in Kirch. When all of a sudden, a strong, powerful voice in Kirch speaks up behind her. Stop slaughtering her language and fetch her a fresh glass of champagne. Are you all right, miss? Why are you smirking? That's her target, right? Wherever that is. <laughs> yes, you startled me. She looks up to see the general that was helping her up, holding onto her arm. It was Brum. Who? General Brum. He was supposed to be dead. He was supposed to die in that shipwreck. The most evil of the Druskelly. Do you remember? Uh, he's the one that took her. Yes. Nina laughed and didn't let her panic show. He probably didn't recognize her, right? Right? Especially with the red hair. She curtsied and flirted with him. Pleasure to meet you. You're from the House of Exotics? Yes. I thought you were to wear a red cloak. One of the girls stepped on it, ripping it. I think she did it on purpose. Naughty girl, should we punish her? And what would you do with that? They say the punishment should fit the crime, but I think it better fit the criminal. If you were to be my prisoner, I would make it my business to learn everything about you. Your fears mainly, of course. <laughs> but sir, I'm fearless. Intriguing. How are you finding our country? Oh, it's so magical. But you know where I'd truly like to visit? Enlighten me. Ravka. Ravka? A land of barbarians? The Grisha? But imagine the excitement of seeing a Grisha face to face. I assure you, they're not a thrill. Well, you have to say that. You're Driscali. You're a soldier? Commander of the Driscali. Oh my goodness. <laughs> then you must have seen a thousand Grishas. There are no Grisha in Kerch? So I've heard, but I've never seen one at the Menagerie or in the Barrel, at least not that I know of. Nina was cozying up to the man that almost killed her once before. But like, what's new? But she felt like if anyone could take her to see Bayer, it was going to be Commander Brum. He was her best shot. She kept leaning over, showing him the goods, and without breaking eye contact from her boobies, he asks her, Would you like to see some Grisha tonight? You're kidding! Would your mistress notice if you snuck away? Well, that's why we're here, aren't we? She slipped her arm around his, and the two start walking out of the party together. So right now, they're in the innermost layer of the ice court. But of course, Bayer is not being kept there. He was most likely being kept at the treasury, which is the highest security building other than the royal home. Nina's pulse starts pumping when she realizes that's exactly where Brahm is taking her. She's getting more anxious, scared. She realizes with each step that they take that they're getting further and further away from the crowd, the party, the people. And at one point, Nina wonders if there's even another single soul out there. She doesn't even see guards. But she hoped Brahm was just there for the cleavage. She's praying. Where are we going? The old treasury. The vault has moved long ago, and I've since converted it into a laboratory. Okay, it's laboratory, but I love saying it the British way. <laughs> laboratory. A laboratory! <laughs> He's like, you're a curious thing, aren't you? The treasury was already secure and positioned well on the White Island, so it was a logical choice for a laboratory. That's all. Here we are. Nina stares up at the building and enters through the door. There were cells and cells of more fabricator made with mirrored glass windows. The cells were completely empty. They stopped by the first window and they saw a boy sitting in the cell. There you go, Grisha. Oh, well he doesn't look that evil. Brum moved so he was basically groping her and he whispered in her ear. Oh, believe me, he is. Well, what's he in here for? Same as the rest. They're here for the future. What do you mean? 
Do you want to press the button? Yikes. What does the button do? It'll give you a real show. It does beautiful, magical, miraculous things, really. Nina flinched. She knew the button would somehow release Jerda Parem into these Grisha. And Brahm was asking her to press it for her own entertainment. Nina laughed and tried to distract him. She tugged at his arm. It's all right. I think I can think of more fun things to do. Can you? Brum smiles and led her down a quieter hallway of cells. He leads her inside a dark room where Nina sees no desk, no cot. The room is completely empty. There was just a drain in the center. And she turns around and the door is slammed in her face. And she's screaming, no, please. This one did not have a mirrored window so she could stare directly at Brum. Nina, that's your name, isn't it? Did you really think that I wouldn't remember you? Wow, I knew it. On the little ship, I remember your stubborn face. We have files on every one of Ravka's active Grisha. It's my business to know you all, even the ones I hoped had died at sea. Nina tries to raise her hands, but Brum laughs. You can try. Kill me now. But that door still won't unlock, and in the time it takes you to kill me, I'll press this button. Do you know what Perem does to you? It's even more effective as a gas than it is a powder. Nina dropped her hands. She knew that once the drug was in her system, she would not be able to stop it. Like, there's addiction after first dose. It's common. It's typically fatal. Brum continues. But this vengeance is not mine to take. Nina looks up and sees a whole new set of eyes appear in the window. Mateus. What? He looked at her with just pure hatred. He sold her out? How? Are you kidding me? Did you really believe that I was going to turn against my own nation? I would devote my life to my country. I left Kaz and I warned Brahm as soon as I could. I may never be Druskelly again, but I will save Fyrda, no matter what, Nina. And now, I get to see you dose with Perem. I want you to bow down and beg me for another fix. I will make you betray your own people for more Perem. Wow. Before the button could be pressed, the alarms rang through the halls. Black protocol had been initiated. If Nina had known this monster was inside, she might have stayed outside with Inej. So let's see where Inej is when Black Protocol is triggered. Speaking of Inej, okay? She's kept in the little holding room with a bunch of partygoers who are kept from going inside and they're all starting to get angsty. They're complaining and Inej starts complaining. Maybe she's, maybe she thought confidence would get her out of this. She said, enough guards, we've had enough. Either take us to the next checkpoint or let us go. The guard got in her face. Be silent, you are all guests here. Inej poked her finger into his chest and said, then treat us like guests. I demand to be taken to the gate immediately. Before Inej could pick a bigger fight with the guard, a shrill voice rang from the room. You stop it right now! Stop! Inej heard that voice in her nightmare. She knew that voice. She could even smell her thick, sickly perfume through the crowd. It made her want to gag. Helene, Madame of the Menagerie. Ma'am, if you'll please, your girl will be returned to you by the end of the night. But her papers, that's not my girl, you stupid guard. That's the Wraith, Kaz Brecker's girl, one of the most notorious criminals in Ketterdam. How dare you pretend to be one of mine? Where did you put my girl? Helene grabbed Inej's collar and shook her. Inej froze, just like she did before, before she left this trip, remember? She had always dreamed of killing Helene, but anytime she was around her, she just kept freezing. But no, not this time. She was so close to her future. Inej grabbed her and started choking her. Your girl? I threw her in the ice moat. She starts strangling her. And your girl is better off without you. The guards pull Inej off and drag her away. She's being sent to the prison. This time, there's no incinerator to climb out of. Again? 
She could hear Helene's laughter as she's being carried out. I'll see you hanged, little lynx. Brecker, too. I told you you'd wear my silks again, little lynx. Now you'll hang in them. And she's evilly laughing. Inej was about to be prisoner again, all thanks to Helene. Now back to Nina and Mateus. Mateus ignored the alarm and asked Brum, How many times have you dosed Grisha? Too many to count. Trust me. She'll get hooked and she won't dare to act out against us. I think I'll enjoy it. It's fun to see them transform. So you've kept the scientists alive then? <sighs> He's done his best to recreate the drug, but it's complicated. Finicky. Some batches work, some are as useful as dust. But as long as he can be of service, I'm going to keep him alive. I can't believe you're here, Mateus. I thought you were dead. I know. I had to survive to tell you what the evil group were planning against Fierda. How long has the laboratory been here? Fifteen years. I had the royals allow me to build. Fifteen years? Why? So it wasn't matching up. The laboratory should have been built when Perem was founded, right? So maybe like a year or two? Mm-hmm. Why fifteen years? Brum told him. After the trials, Grisha are sentenced to death. They do die, but we like to experiment with them first. Grisha can prove to be quite valuable when kept alive and in chains. I think Grisha are a good source of a lot of things. As long as they're being controlled by us, that's their true purpose in life. That's why you want Perem. With Perem, these creatures, they can be used like weapons. They're not good enough to be soldiers. Soldiers are made of men, Mateus. But they'll be our weapons. I've missed you. Your faith in our mission has always been so pure. So glad you're back. And you're sure the scientist is safe here? He cannot get out? Of course. Only I have the key. There are guards on call, and only a few people even know of his existence. Anyway, if you'll excuse me, I have to address Black Protocol. It seems your friends have managed to wreak some havoc. Please take your time with this one. I want you to be satisfied, and I'll deal with your reinstatement tomorrow. You'll be Driskelly again. That I can guarantee. Nina watched in horror as this conversation played out in front of her. But in that moment, she didn't realize that Brum had betrayed Mateus. Mateus had done evil things, but he always believed Fierda was protecting humans. They executed Grisha with as much dignity as, I don't know, as much as an execution can bring for them to pay for their crimes. He didn't know that they were being used and abused and tested on long before their deaths. That's not what he fought for. So he wait, gave Wait, Brum you're telling me Nina and Matea are not in this together right now? Oh, they are. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Mateus hugged Brum and whispered, I don't know if you're wrong about Grisha, but you're wrong about her. And Brum struggled briefly, and he was knocked out unconscious by Mateus. Mateus didn't kill him, just knocked him out. He dragged him into his cell, took the master key from his neck, and locked him in. Just like that? Mateus was a true tra traitor now. Yeah. Wait, so, so again, this was pre-planned? Yeah, so, okay, Mateus knew that Brum would remember Nina. He was watching from the steps of the ballroom. Mm. Brum never forgot a Grisha, okay? Mateus ran down and pulled Brum under the stairs, and Brum was shocked to see that he was still alive. Mateus lied his ass off, and he talked like he was, uh, how he was in prison. The drugs were here for God knows what to steal something. He was forced to help them. He had been waiting for a chance to get away without them killing him to warn Brum on what the hell was going on. That was when he made his choice. He chose Nina, and he mm. whispered to his mentor before he left, the life you live, the hate you feel, is poison, and I can no longer drink it. And he walked to free Nina, but when he opened the door, she hesitated. Cause she didn't know if he's like trying to kill her. Oh. And then she jumped up and ran to him, and he swept her in his arms. <laughs> and he whispered to her,
I never want to see you like this again. Ah! And she said, the dress or the cell? And he said, the cell, the dress I like. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And he smiled and whispered in Fjordan, but it meant... I have been made to protect you. Only in death will I be kept from this oath. It was a vow he was making to her. They stared at each other before he broke away. We have to hurry. Bayer is being kept in the vault. I have the key. Let's go. They run towards the vault. Nina disables the guards at the door and they unlock the door and slide inside. The entire room is filled with beakers and powders and potions and on a small cot was... Bayer? The couple look at him puzzled. Nina spoke first. We aren't here to hurt you. Where is Bayer? He's dead. Are you here to kill me? Then what is all of this? Nina remembered the safe word she was to give Bayer, and instantly he looked relieved. You're the Kirch. Yes, and we've come to rescue Bayer. My dad is dead. This is Bayer's son. He died when we tried escaping to Kirch. He was killed. And they're trying to get you to recreate the formula? I was in the lab with him when he made Parem, but I don't remember it all, and... I've been stalling. Do you think you can do it? Can you actually recreate it? Yes, I think so. Nina and Mateus had a pact that they would kill Bayer or anyone that could recreate Parem. It wasn't good for the world. But this is a little boy. Nina lifted her hands, trying to do the hard thing, but the right thing, and Mateus stopped her. He whispered to her, Nina, no, he's just a kid. He's one of us. The little boy on Nina's directions destroyed the lab with the swipe of his hand. He's Grisha, Inferni and they start making a run for it. He explained that Parem was a mistake. His father was a fabricator, and he only tried making the drug to try and conceal the Grisha. He wanted to help the Grisha. The little boy set up a rig to make sure once they were out, the vault exploded. But only the vault. There were Grisha in the treasury that they didn't want to kill. They start running towards the main door, where it was already a show. The black protocol was radiating through the air. People are running. Guards are scrambling. They had to slip past in the chaos. But before they could, someone screamed, Stop! They tried sprinting, running for it, but it didn't work. Nina felt her arms being caught by rope and tied behind her so that she couldn't disarm any, anyone. Mateus was trampled down, and even Bayer's son was tied up so that he couldn't use his hands. These were Mateus' old comrades from the boat. Mm. One of them spat on Mateus' face and screamed, How dare you betray your country and your god? The guards using the rope were now dragging them back to the treasury to be locked up. But Nina heard an animalistic shriek. She looks up to see one of the guards pleading profusely. Then the next one. There was a hooded Druskelly that had killed the two guards and now is leaning down to release them from their chains. Kaz Brecker. This is going to hurt a little, but you guys will thank me later. He shoved something into each of their mouths and pushed them towards the ash tree. So this ash tree is in the center of Ice Court, and Mateus is like crazy about this tree. He says that this tree is where their gods live, right? They like worship this tree. Yeah, there's like a mouth. There's like an opening where the spirits are supposed to like come in and out of, like the front door. And Kaz pushes them all into this black hole. They start tumbling, falling back into the heart of the Ice Court, and she could hear Druskelly shouting after them and shooting at them, but they didn't feel anything. 
So remember those little tide packets that they used on the boat that could work for them if they had to hold their breaths underwater uh-huh. for a long time? Yeah. Kaz had swallowed them before breaking into the prison. He threw them up in the bathroom, and now he was shoving these little pods into everybody's mouth because that was another trick that he learned to, to throw up from... Um, he says he learned it from a magician, but I feel like he learned it from a drug smuggler, if I'm being honest with you. Okay. And now they're popping open in all of their mouths, and the fall seems impossibly long. Kaz has no idea if he's even right about this. Why do they need to eat that? Remember how Wyland kept asking if there's an aqueduct? How is the ice melt running? How is there water? The uh-huh. ice court is on top of a hill. Kaz says the noises. The Fjordans, especially Mateus, kept talking about how the ash tree... You can hear the gods. You know it has a voice? A spring, water? A spring, rivers, streams. Oh. Kaz says any street kid from Ketterdam knows each body of water has a different voice. And you can try to convince yourself it's a god if you really want. <laughs> okay. So they fall into the water and he hopes that this leads out of ice court. And they have to pop their little tide pods, right? <laughs> and uh, go through the little stream. Kaz does everything in his power to not pass out. But remember the feeling of the water, the feeling of Bayer's son's body near him in the water. It reminded him of his brother, so he passed out. The last thing he remembered before going out was the sound of Inej's laugh. He said, and I quote another famous quote, he said, well, the narrator said, if Kaz could bottle up that sound and gotten drunk on it every night, he would have. And it terrified him. Matt's so romantic. <laughs> I swear, so romantic. If I bought, if I bottle up your, <laughs> I just saw a TikTok that Kennedy Walsh did, and she said, "Um, you do realize majority of women are in love with men because they read books written by women that make men seem cool, basically." Okay, she said it more poetically, and I was like, "Oh my God, bottle up my laugh right now! Get a bottle! What are you doing?" <sighs> He's a, uh. So then he wakes up to the water rushing into his mouth and drowning him. Meanwhile, Inej and the rest of the group were caught inside the ice court, inside prison to be exact. So Inej is being dragged to four guards who are going to lock her up. They had their heads down and Inej panicked. Could she take on all four of them if they weren't paying attention? But before she had to, two of the guards lifted their heads and took down the other two. Jasper mm. and Wyland. But for Small the first, world, huh? yeah. <laughs> but for the first time, Jesper was all business. Do you have the diamond? Inej smiled and slipped him the diamond. She had taken it while she tried to strangle her. So the whole show with Helene—that was Inej being in control. Wait, wait, wait. She wait, set wait. this up so that she could steal the diamond around Helene's neck, uh, and she needed to be sent to prison. Uh, this is, okay, wow. Her only regret was not seeing Helene's face when she realized Inej stole her precious diamond. Jesper and Wyland's mouth gaped open. Kaz said, a diamond, you didn't have to take Helene's. Just get to work. They went to an empty cell and they start working. Jesper was focused and covered in suit. So it seems like Jesper and Wyland, they had come back down the incinerator shaft. And Jesper's like, I can't just break it down. I have to make sure that the diamond doesn't lose its molecular structure. They could hear the guards coming towards them. They had to work faster. They needed the diamond to be like riddled down into a drill bit. Uh-huh. They had a drill and they were going to drill through. Remember how in the prison they had the glass walls with yeah. the tanks on display of feared and power? That fabricator glass, the only thing stronger is diamond. Yeah. They had to break a hole in that glass for them to get through and go to the tanks. The tanks were how they're getting out. 
What's the tank again? The tanks? It's like military tanks. Oh, they're literally. Oh, uh, yeah. They're gonna ride a tank out. Oh,、uh, yeah. <laughs> so the three of them, they make a diamond drill bit, get to the tank, they use the cannon to shoot their way out of the prison, leaving the guards jaws on the ground, shocked at what to do. Jesper took the wheel and he starts driving. He made sure on the way out to run through the Fjordens giant banner that read Fjorden Strength. Meanwhile, Nino was busy saving Kaz. She manipulated the lungs to push out the water till it came spilling out of his mouth. She knew he would hate it, but she had to start performing CPR on him. She pressed her lips to Kaz and finally found a rhythm, and water spurted out of his mouth. And he pushed Nina off and gasped, "Get off of me!" They all seemed relieved that Kaz was alive, even Mateus. But it wasn't enough because now they have to go meet up with the rest. Jasper and Ajahn Wylan, who would be coming down on a tank any minute now, they had to run to meet them at the tank, hop on, and that tank was going to get them seven miles to the harbor where they had to make a run for their boat and get out to sea before the armies come after them. Yeah, that's all they were focused on. So they get onto the tank, they point the cannon, and a loud shriek runs through the night, and they blow up the bridge behind them, stopping the rest of the guards in their place. They start with everyone on board now, driving towards the docks. They could smell the sea, they could smell their freedom, they could smell their four million dollars. But when they were almost there, they shared glances with each other. They dared smile even. They were so close. But Jasper screeched to a stop. It was too late. The dock that was supposed to be empty was filled with troops, rows and rows, two hundred soldiers, and at the very least a hundred Druskelly. Pointed directly at them, just rifles in the air. Mateus, what is this? You said, "Yes, I know what I said. I thought that they wouldn't be able to get here. I've never seen Black Protocol engaged. Okay, maybe they always had troops stationed out near the docks. I don't know." They heard Brom's voice radiating. "Let the prisoner go. Put your weapons down and step away from the tank." Mateus reassured them that they can't open fire because they can't risk hurting Kuei by your son. Then they saw a man in the center of the troops. The guards didn't have to shoot a single bullet. Nina knew it. She knew a heart renderer when she saw one. He was begging for more Parem, meaning they were gonna dose him with Parem, and he could knock out the whole group, and Kuei would be untouched. Wow. Nina turned to Kuei. Do you have more Parem? No. Nina want to sacrifice herself. Everyone tried to stop her, especially Mateus. I mean, they've learned even the first dose can be fatal because the first dose is actually the strongest. You become addicted. Your body shuts down after withdrawal. Kuei nodded. I do, but he didn't know if Nina wanted it. Like truly, if this was a good idea, she against everyone's protest, not because they didn't want her to do drugs, but because they would rather die than have her submit to Parem's effects. They tried to stop her, but she took it. She swallowed the powder before turning to Mateus and telling him, "I'm trusting you. If it gets bad for me, do the right thing and find a way to end it." Instantly, her heart was pounding. The world seemed to shatter. She could see colors that were never there—colors in her friend's eyes—and the moonlight was bright, and the world just felt so clear. She could feel every single pulse, every cell in every single person's body. She didn't even recognize her voice as she told her friends to move. She stood in front of the army, in front of her friends, and raised her hands, but did nothing. She said, "For Mateus, I'll give you one chance to leave us." Brum sneered. "You can't control us, you witch. Our hoods, our masks, every stitch of our clothing is reinforced with Grisha steel. You cannot force us to do anything." So the Druskelly, they were covered in Grisha steel, and she couldn't manipulate it. Oh, what? She tried. It didn't work. Brum lifted his gun and shot Mateus. 
Mateus felt the searing hot bullet enter his chest in intense pain, but instantly he saw the bullet pop out and clink on the ground and his body healed instantly. There wasn't even a wound or a scar. Nina healed him instantly. The Driskelli opened fire on Nina, and just as would happen to Mateus, the bullets would strike her body, there would be little blossoms of blood, and then it would disappear. She was healing faster than they could shoot. She laughed as she walked closer. You've grown too used to captive Grisha. We're quite tame in our cages. Next to the Druskelli were Fjordan soldiers. They were not covered in Grisha's steel because Grisha's steel is really hard to get. She commanded them to disarm their Druskelli counterparts. Mm. The regular soldiers ripped off the hoods and masks of the Druskelli, and now they were all vulnerable to Nina. She flexed her fingers and all their rifles shot up to their heads. They screamed in horror, because Nina's about to kill them. She said, for my country, for my people, for every child you put in the fire pit, you shall reap what you sow. Mateus ran up to Nina. Nina, please. Mateus, they would not offer you mercy if they had the chance. I know, Nina, I know. But let them live in shame instead. Please, you taught me to be something better. They could be taught that too. They fear you. I feared you once and you feared me once. We are all someone's monsters. Nina dropped her arms and all the troops dropped to the floor in a slumber. She put them to sleep. But she awoke Brum, and he was screaming. There was blood dripping from his head. Nina, did you? Will he live? Yes. He will just be very bald. She had ripped all his hair out. <laughs> the crew board the boat. No one stopped them. No one shot at them. Nina had control. But as they got deeper to sea, she knew that their real fight was just beginning. So on the boat ride back to Ketterdam, a few things happen. Nina's preparing for her drug withdrawal. So just think regular withdrawal times like 9,000. Kuwait tells them that the word parem means without pity in Shu, meaning the drug is going to rip through her and leave her wanting more or wanting to die. She was still gonna feel high for like an hour or two though. So during that time, Kaz had a few favors to ask of her. Nina had a few things that she wanted to do. She found a neige and she completely healed the menagerie tattoo, got rid of it. She healed her own, and then she went to go help Kaz. The rest of the crew, they had no idea what was going on, okay? A few days into their journey, Kaz and Inej finally have time for themselves, and Inej tells him, with the money, I'm gonna charter a crew and head to sea. I'm gonna get revenge on every slaver I come across. I'm gonna burn down the menagerie, and I'm leaving Ketterdam. He looked at her and said, stay in Ketterdam. Stay with me. What would be the point, Kaz? I want you to stay. I want, I want you. You want me? And how will you have me, Kaz? Fully clothed, gloves on, your head turned away so our lips never touch? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Kaz looked away and she says, I will have you without your armor, Kaz Brecker, or I will not have you at all. And she started to walk off. She hoped at I hoped that Kaz would stop her and say like, Kajma, Takaman. But no, he didn't. So Nina and Mateus, they have their moment too, where Nina is scared of the withdrawal and she's already feeling the tremors and the body aches and she tells Mateus to stay with her. And he promises, and after and always. And she says, I want to feel safe again. I want to go back home to Ravka. I'll take you there. And we'll set fire to raisins or whatever you heathens do for fun. Nina, my little red bird.
The only love story that isn't progressing on this little boat ride back home are Jesper and Wyland because Wyland was avoiding Jesper for some reason ever since they departed Fjorda. We're gonna get into why, okay? Jesper didn't know why, but because, you know, relationships and egos, he didn't want to be the one to go look for him. Instead, he tries to distract himself. So those are all the moments on the boat, but in the end is when they meet with Van Eck to exchange Kuwait for 30 million Kruge. They opt to play it safe and they meet with Van Eck on an island. So they park their boat at sea, they take a little boat, and they go, Wylan and Nina are left on the big boat as their insurance policy. Because remember, Wylan is mm. Van Eck's son. Jesper looks at the rest before getting off the boat and he says, no mourners, no, no funerals. funerals. Kaz, Jesper, Inej, Mateus, and Kuwait are on the island. And uh, they find Van Eck with his guards lugging heavy trunks in front of them. 30 million Kruge. Kaz starts counting. It's all there. And I'll say, Brecker, surprised. I am surprised. Delighted, though, that you pulled it off. I thought it was a long shot. Which is why you hedged your bet. Ah, I see you found out that Pekka Rollins was on the mission as well. It was best to play it safe. Kaz, I hope as a gambler, you understand. Nothing 30 million Kruge won't mend some hurt feelings. Well, Vanek can't say it was a pleasure, but nice working with you. They try to grab the briefcases and are about to walk, but Vanek speaks. I'm sorry, but I can't allow that, Mr. Brecker. Is there a problem? Yes. You. You are not getting off this island. And with that, the group watch as their boat blew up in the waters. Not by gunfire, but tide makers and squalors. Grisha on Perem. What the f***? Kaz put two and two together. You kept part of the Perem stash without alerting the council. A deal is a deal, Vanek. I don't think you want the council to know that you slighted us. Ah, yes, Mr. Brecker. That would be a shame. If the council knew about this deal. What's going on? He's just trying to jack... Yes. The council of merchants never wanted Bayer. Van Eck wanted Bayer to control Perem. But what about his son? They have his son yeah. as insurance. Kaz is shocked. The council were never involved. You wanted Bayer. You wanted the formula for Perem. It wasn't the council. It was you, Van Eck. Kirch is neutral in the fight with Grisha, Mr. Brecker. But I don't have to be. When Perem is unleashed into the world, every country, every government will be clamoring to get a supply of it. Chaos will come, and I will be the master. I will be the very, very wealthy master of Perem. Inej screamed, you will be ensuring slavery and death for Grisha everywhere. Ah, yes. But nations fall and rise, markets are made and unmade. When power shifts, someone must suffer. When the council finds out, and why do you think I chose scum to get the job done? None of you will be missed, and the council will never know. All of you will vanish on this island, and nobody will care. Your son is on that ship, Van Eck. My son? Wyland Van Eck. <laughs> Mr. Brecker, surely you must know I kicked my son out of the house months ago. What I do know is that you wrote to him since the day he left, begging him to come back. Those are not the words of a man who doesn't care about his only son and heir. Van Eck laughed. My son. He was to be one of the greatest heirs of all of Kirch, but my son, he dared be born into this empire, but he could not do what a child of seven years could do. He could solve equations, paint, play the flute, but Mr. Brecker, he could not read. He could not write. I hired the best tutors from all over the world, specialists, but he refused to learn. I've been cursed. Wylan was a curse and a disgrace to my house. He will never be a man. Jesper realized the letters were not pleading Wyland to come back. They were mocking him. They had read, If you're reading this, you know how much I wish to have you home. He can't read. Mm -hmm. So he's mocking him. 
What? He was a mistake. My new lovely young wife is caring. Be it a boy or a girl or a creature with horns, that child will be my heir, not some idiot who cannot read. He is a fool that would have made me a laughing stock. Jesper lashed out. You're a fool. He's smarter than most of us put together and he deserves better than you. Jesper screamed in rage and he grabbed his gun, but Kaz ordered him to stand down. And he, he screamed at Kaz, he killed them. He killed Wyland and Nina, he killed them. Oddly, Mateus seemed calm. He didn't understand. Jesper's like, why are the f are you calm? Nina's dead. Even Van Eck seems shocked. Well, Mr. Brecker, I heard you're a hellraiser, but no tears, no protests for your crew. They do raise you cold, don't they? Cold and cautious. Not cautious enough, it seems. You will perish on this island and I will prosper. That is the will. You know, there's a problem, though. You need Kuwait to do that. And how will you take him from me? You're outnumbered and you're surrounded. I don't need to take him from you, Van Eck. You never had him. That right there is not Kuwait. I'm sorry. The boy spoke in perfect courage. Pay up, Kaz. Van Eck watched in horror as the shoe boy literally looked like Kuwait held his hand up. Venek, your son Wylan bet to me that you have no worries about ending his life. Call me sentimental. I just didn't think a father could be so cold. And it dawned on everyone, well, mainly Jesper and Venek, that Kuwait was not Kuwait, it was Wylan. That's what Nina was doing for Kaz on the boat while still high on Perem. She made Wylan look like Kuwait. And that's why Wylan was avoiding Jesper on the boat. And Kaz goes, you know, Venek, Wyland could draw a perfect elevation. He made a drill that cut through Grisha grass from parts of a gate and scavenged bits of jewelry. So what if he can't read? Worthless, son. I knew you were a fool, but you're a traitor too. Wyland spoke. A fool would have been waiting on that ship being smashed to bits. And as for traitor, father, you've called me worse in the last few minutes. Venek screamed, where the hell is Kuwait? Let us off the island safely with our payment, and I'll gladly tell you. Kill us and you'll never find Kuwait. Van Eck sneered. Guards kill everyone but Brecker. But in that split moment that he said that Kaz made the biggest mistake of his life, one that he would pay greatly for, one that he would play over and over in his head, when he heard those words, the first person he glanced at was Inej. Mm. And Van Eck saw it. Actually, leave the others, take the money and the girl. In a moment's notice, a squalor reached down, snatched up Inej, and just took her away in the sky. She was gone. Vanek shouted before leaving them stranded. You have one week to bring me the real Kuwait, or you will hear that girl screams back from Fiorda. And I'll let it be known that you are harboring the most valuable hostage in the world. Every gang, every government, every smuggler spy will be after you and the dregs. You will have nowhere to hide. They left. And the group were left in silence. At least Nina and Kuwait were safe. They were actually being held in Hellgates. Remember the prison? The lower cells where they had released the animals? So after the animals had been released, they completely destroyed the prison and the prison had to move all the prisoners. So Hellgate was empty. So they're literally staying and oh. hiding in the prison. Yeah, okay. yeah. But still, Kaz marveled at his own stupidity. His greatest vulnerability was right there beside him and he showed Vanek his cards. And now they're and screwed. Vanek would be watching them. They couldn't go to Perhaskal or the drugs for help. They couldn't go home. They couldn't go. He didn't even have an edge. He didn't even have his wraith. Kaz was angry. He was pissed. He said, I'm going to invent a new trick. One Vanek will never forget. Wyland stood up. For the wraith. Then Jesper. For Inej. Mateus stood up too. They were all going to fight to get Inej back. They were going to get her back. Kaz vowed that day, I'm going to get my money and I'm going to get my girl. Ooh. He would find her and give her the freedom he promised her long ago.
And then the book ends with the chapter that's setting up the second book. Because it's wild. Pekka Rollins. Pekka Rollins, okay. He's back in the barrel. He's back home. We thought that Cass killed him in the prison, but he's back home. He's not dead. To never die. Rollins remembered what happened in prison. He saw Brecker entering his cell. Brecker? Come to gloat? Not exactly. Pekka. Remember me? Yeah, I know you. You're the little shit that keeps stealing my customers. So Pekka Rollins does not remember Jordy or Kaz as a kid. Rollins looked at Kaz and for a split second he saw just pure hatred in the boy's eyes. Just pure, pure hatred. He shook it off. What the hell do you want, Brecker? I want to do you a favor, Pekka. You think you're in the position to do me favors? I'm going to leave this door unlocked. You're not stupid enough to go after Bayer on your own. But wait for your chance. Get out of here. And why the hell are you helping me? Because you weren't meant to die here. Pekka was freaked out, but he didn't show it. Well, uh, I owe you one, Brecker. Don't worry, Rollins. You'll pay. And with that, Kaz left the, the cell. Rollins thought it was weird, but at least he was back to dominating the Emerald Palace. Wait, then how is Pe Becker full of blood? I don't know, probably killed somebody else or a guard. Oh. And then uh, Kaz and his crew, they walk through the door of the Emerald Palace. And Rollins knew it was time to pay up. Kaz sat down. I'm going against Vanak and I need money. Look, Brecker, don't kid yourself. Cut your losses and live to fight another day. Don't go up against merchants. That's rule number one. We don't do that here. No one's going to be your ally. You'll have the Stad Watch, the Kerch Army, the Navy. Everyone's going to be up against you if you go up against a merchant. Pekka, I never asked you to be my comrade. I need money. 200,000 Kruge. Oh, and what else? A dragon? Maybe you'd like my entire business? I know you have money, and I saved your life. Then you should have negotiated your loan back in the prison cell where you had leverage. But Pekka, I'm not looking for a loan. You want me to hand over 200,000 Kruge as a gift? And what do I get for this? My share is in the Crow Club in Fifth Harbor. Now, now this was interesting. Rollins was intrigued, mainly because the fire in this kid's eyes. He was not playing around. Rollins was interested to see if he could actually take down a merchant. Pekka opened his safe and handed him the cash. They wrote out a letter, a document, that was the transfer of the shares from Kaz to Pekka. And with that, Kaz and his crew walked out and Pekka looked down. His watch had been stolen right off of his arm. His wallet had been stolen, that son of a fucking even the gold buckles on his shoes had somehow slipped off. No one had ever gotten one over Pekka Rollins, but Brecker just did. And with all the guards watching too, Pekka smirked. He told the guards, I'd say we should all give a prayer to that Vanek merchant. Sir, you think Brecker stands a chance? It's a long shot, but if Vanek's not careful, he might walk himself into a trap and Brecker will tighten the noose around his neck. We better hope Vanek kills the boy. Why? Otherwise, I'll have to. Pekka watched out the window as he saw Brecker leave the Emerald Palace. And that Wait, is... so Brecker didn't kill his biggest enemy because he want to come back and borrow some money? No, so Brecker wants to, um, he doesn't believe in a painless death. He wants to knock Pekka down in the most slow, painful, torturous way. Like, he calls it brick by brick. He wants to destroy his home brick by brick. But he turns around asking for money. Yeah, but I okay. think he's going to try to do something in the second book, right? Mm. But it's a setup. Hey. And that is the end of Six of Crows. You look confused. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> okay. I like the book. Okay, here's what I have to say about the book. If you want like more smutty romance books, like if you're you like Akatar, you might like this book because I really like Akatar. I know people have their you know issues with Akatar. I like this book. I thought this book felt less romance driven, less tropey. There's still、mm. a lot of tropes, but Akatar is like you're walking into a trope. Like everything's a trope, okay? Even、mm. the whole setup's a trope. But I liked it. I like a good trope. But this one was less tropey. It was less love is the answer. It was more like let's make some money, bitches. And I kind of liked it. You know, it's、mm. kind of like money heist but fantasy. Yeah, so definitely more action. If you guys are looking for like a hot, sexy, doing it, ripping each other's clothes off with a six hundred year old fairy fantasy book, this is not the one for you. But if you really like world building, this is a good one. But I hope you guys enjoyed today's video, and make sure to stay tuned for next week's bam.